Welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. If you can, if you would go ahead and take the communion elements, we're going to honor Lord, the Lord and Holy Communion before we get into the message today. thinking there's the passage in the gospels of where before the triumphal entry when Jesus rides the back of a donkey before his passion would begin there was his anointing by Mary and I was also thinking about a life well lived for Christ, one who serves Christ faithfully, steadfastly, constantly. And you know, you're never going to regret when you're at that moment, be it at your deathbed, and you're thinking through the totality of your life, you're never going to regret wasting it all on Jesus, pouring your entire life out for him. You see, the counterfeit to a life wasted for Jesus is a life of self-preservation, is a life that I prefer my wants, my needs, my cravings, my appetites. You go into the room of where Mary breaks, not just pours, but the scripture says she breaks the expensive perfume over Jesus's head over not just his feet, which would have been customary, but over his head and that expensive oil begins to drip. And there's a naysayer in the back of the room because anytime you live a life sold out for Christ, there's always a critic in the corner waiting to judge you for what is perceived as waste. But that which is perceived as waste is actually that which Christ longs for to say that which Christ requires. So Judas is in the room as he's watching. Again, this is before Jesus would be betrayed. But many would say it's in this moment as Jesus is watching that he gets to his trigger point of he wants to follow through with the betrayal, that he's had enough seeing what he's seen. So some would say Judas is making up his mind, but if you go and you read the scripture, Judas would say, how could you waste such expensive perfume? We could have sold it and have given it to the poor. Judas might sound logical and reasonable, but many times when you love Jesus, as we've talked about, love runs to Jesus. Love doesn't think, it jumps first. And there's some of us today that we need to put a stake in the ground. As we've been talking through this series of walking in the spirit, is that it is more precious to waste it on Christ, to spend time with him, to prefer him, not yourself, not your cravings, your wants, your needs. They all fall in line, but many of us, our lives are out of order. And today is step of, of how we confront satanic strategies. We first had to dissolve and resolve 
that demons attach themselves to the disordered desires and to the passions of your flesh. You cannot conquer the demonic if you do not know how to crucify your flesh. Many of you want to, me included, we want to blame everything on demons, satanic strategies, when many of it you can solve 99% of that which is afflicting you if you would crucify your flesh. So today, am I talking to anyone that wants to waste your life on Christ, that doesn't want to hold anything back? As we prepare to take Holy Communion, this is a sign, a symbol, a reminder, a life source that says, don't ever forget that I just didn't shout from heaven, I love you. I showed you with my death. I showed you with my body. I showed you with my blood that he laid everything out and wasted his life for us so that we would say there is, is no doubt how loved we are, the purpose for our life. And what I'm telling you today is you've got to get to the secret place if you're gonna conquer secret sin. Secret sin ceases to exist when the secret place is set ablaze and set alive. So if you bow your head and go before the Lord, repent of sin, Jesus, we repent of our sin. We thank you that you heal our lives. You cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from wickedness. You set us free, Jesus. You are a good savior. God, you are so good. And today you are good to us. You are good to us in all ways and every day. Let us never doubt your goodness because your goodness runs after us. Psalms 34, as we talked of last week, you long to beautify us with salvation. So today, let it be a cleansing, a dressing of salvation, that we are freed people, we are saved people, and we all need more freedom in our life. I don't care where you're at in your walk with Christ, we all want and should desire more freedom. And if you want and you desire more freedom, this message is for us today. This communion is us saying we want more freedom. We are not content with the secret sin, the places of bondage in our life. So we raise the body of Christ today and we break it because the scripture says he was broken for us. He was bruised for us. He was beaten for us. He did not let go of the whipping post knowing that by his stripes, we are healed today. So Father, we walk forward in healing. We don't stay bound to our past. We don't stay bound to our infirmity. But because of the price you paid for us, we can have healing. We take your body in Jesus' name. And as we prepare the cup, We thank you that this substance, let us see the bigger, deeper, fuller picture. That this be a reminder that you gave everything, your life. You lived a sinless life. You conquered hell, death for us. You gave us new life. You call us a new creation. And none of this would have been provided to us, none of it would have been given to us 
None of it would have been paid for us. You died in our place if the blood of Jesus, if we don't ever look upon the pierced one. When his side was pierced, the blood and the water flowed. This is a sign that the covenant of Christ flows from his side. And as it says in the prophetic text, if we look upon the pierced one, we will be healed, we will be saved, we will be delivered. So Father, we look upon the pierced one today. If you could just fixate your eyes on Jesus, focus on him, he's your healing, he's your life source, he's your forgiveness, he's your future, he's your present. He covers you, he leads you, he walks with you. He fills you with his Holy Spirit today. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We are all about you. Touch us today with your word. We take of your cup in Jesus' name. Now, if you would lift your hands, it's a sign of surrender. Jesus, we thank you. Your word says, if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is a church that is not content with just being delivered. We want to walk in dominion. This is a church that isn't content with just a prayer we once prayed. We are disciples. This is a church that just doesn't blab it and grab it. But we thank you that we are saved by grace, through faith, for good works. That there is a fleshing out of this faith. That we are not mealy-mouthed, word-only, but there is a work to be done. There is an enemy to be conquered. There are souls to be saved. There are children to be raised up in the admonition of the Lord. We thank you that we don't take this covenant lightly, but we bet our life on it. And it is good ground. It is ground that will reap eternal reward and harvest. We love you, Lord. We submit to you, our chief shepherd today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated. And if you got your Bibles, you can open to Acts chapter 12 is where we'll be today. And uh, we gotta welcome our newest member. We have sweet Rosie here with us today, her first church service. She's sleeping or is she awake right now? She just smiled. Okay, she's ready. She's going in deep today for her first message. She's precious and Naughty and Casey are doing wonderful, getting settled, and we'll have her dedication and a powerful story behind that here uh, in, a, in a month or so. So, so thankful. We have a lot in the works, a lot happening, a lot moving forward as a church, and um, it's been an awesome summer, and we've had so many new people just this summer connect with us as a church, and um, next week is just a good time to get to know some of these faces outside of, um, you know, a Sunday morning, and uh, the fellowship meal will just follow right after service, so you don't got to get in your car, drive anywhere, you walk right over and enjoy some Olive Garden, it's going to be awesome, and uh, uh, we hope that you would make plans for that and uh, enjoy that time of fellowship. It's important. I think we would all agree it's important in a, in a world that is just very transactional, that doesn't um, put um, 
value on good, solid Christian friendships and relationships. These are moments that are set up for you where you just have to show up and you gotta talk, you gotta smile, and uh, who knows, you might make a new friend. Be a friend and you make a friend, right? Amen, Johnny, he's feeling it today. (laughs) He's ready. Well, today I wanna talk about satanic strategies. And as we look at satanic strategies, we have to understand um, as we get into Acts chapter 12, we're going to see a story of Herod, James, and Peter. And these are the three characters that are at play. And as you read the scripture, as you read the Bible, you've heard me say this before, is that the scripture is not a story of what did happen, but it's a story of what is always happening. So you can pull principles from the scripture. Today, the, the main um, evil player um, that is Satan, Satanically energized would be Herod. And you can see in the principles of this, of how Satan operates, of how he oppresses, of how he possesses. And you can see through the scripture of what he did then, his same strategies are still at work today. The kingdom of darkness is a well-oiled machine. And his biggest lie is to get you to see and to feel that he does not exist, that he is very minimally involved in your life, and to get you to lull asleep and not be aware of the demonic battle that you have all authority to wage war against. The war is happening whether you are fighting it or not. I would say most, of, most Christians, unfortunately, are not fighting in the battle. They take the blows, they absorb the blows, they stay depressed, oppressed, and possessed, and they don't engage in the fight. So as we've been walking through this series slowly and thoroughly, if you don't crucify your flesh first, then you're not gonna have, you're not gonna be optimal to defeat the enemy. The two go hand in hand. And demons are energized when you are not crucifying your flesh. You're making it easy, you're giving them an open door to say, come on in. And you give them room to play with you, to abuse you, to torment you. And so in Acts chapter 12, I want to give you points today. So if you're taking notes, write these down. If you have a phone, pull it out and start a new note. And uh, these are going to be good things for you to pray through as well as uh, meditate on where you can have more, you can be more effective in your prayers. You can be more effective in how you fight the enemy. Anybody want to be more effective in how you fight the enemy? I pray you do today, and uh, please understand that this is very serious, and if you don't understand how to walk in this part of your authority, if you don't understand how to move in these things, you will stay restricted your entire life. One of the ways the enemy plays with you is he restricts you. He only lets you go so far because you uh, don't allow yourself to be knowledgeable to move past, to move the chains, to move the blocks. If he can keep you restricted and in a torment, uh, and in a cycle, then he's got you. And let me say this too, for those of us that are in the camp to say, well, I'm a Christian, I follow Christ, I believe, I don't believe you can be oppressed and be a Christian. Let me tell you this, and again, we'll use football as an analogy, is you always wanna 
attack the opposing team. So a sign that you're doing God's will, hear this, is if you're being attacked. And if you are on, um, if you're being attacked, it should be reassurance to you that I'm not in the camp of the enemy. It's only the people or the Christians who aren't doing anything, who aren't moving forward. You are not a threat, therefore you're probably not being attacked. So there's a certain, I always say this, especially about marriage, is there comes the wedding of Adam and Eve, and after they are brought together, after they are created, then comes Satan onto the scene. So first comes the wedding, then comes the war. So if you are moving in the things of God, if you are awake and knowledgeable to them, there will be a battle, there will be a fight, and my heart and goal for you is that you not be ignorant of it but that you have tools today of how you fight, how you defeat the curse of the enemy, and how you walk in freedom. Let me ask you again today, does, could anybody use a little more freedom in your life? I know I can, and I know I want it. And I'm not content with staying where I'm at. I am always of the mindset I am moving forward, and I am not staying bound. I'm not staying in vicious cycles in my life. I want knowledge, I want wisdom, I want the Holy Spirit to overcome it. Acts chapter 12, it starts off and it says this about Herod. It says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. How many of you know the enemy loves to harass you? He loves to harass the church. He talks a big game and he knows how to get you um, unyielded, to Christ, he knows how to get under your skin to keep you triggered and to keep you in a place of where you're being harassed. I wanna say this as well, there's levels of demonic attacks. One would be that he, he, the enemy looks to affect you. And affecting, you can read this in Luke 4, 38 through 39, is that there was actually a fever who came over the mother-in-law of Peter and Jesus rebuked the, the fever. So we know that the enemy can affect us with sickness. He can affect us with um, uh, mental gymnastics to yeah. get us unbound and to get us in a place of where we're unsettled, where we're double-minded. Uh, he can get us, uh, even just being in a broken world due to sin, you are in a place, if you're not aware, where you can be open to be affected by these things. Number two, if you're affected, you can also be afflicted. So you're affected and then you can be afflicted. Luke 13 verse 16 talks about a woman who was bound. And if you've ever felt harassed, if you've ever felt that um, a spirit of infirmity you're dealing with, if your sleep is continuously being affected, if your mood is terrible, if your mind is, is unwinded, if your behavior is poor, you're constantly lacking in your finances, these can, these can be signs that you are being not just affected, but afflicted. So if you go from being afflict, affected to afflicted, then you can see the enemy loves to work in restricting you. Everybody say restricted. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 tells us that our weapons of warfare are mighty in God. And the enemy wants to hold you back from everything that is promised to you in Christ. This is his goal. He wants to hold you back from everything and anything that is promised to you in Christ. So how does he do this? He does this through restrictions. But we need to understand that we have weapons 
that are mighty and powerful in God, to not walk and be bound and be restricted. Lastly, if he affects you, afflicts you, and restricts you, his ultimate goal is to dominate you. In other words, to possess you. Enemy wants to dominate your life. Scripture tells us his goal is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And if he can dominate, then he has as though he is a puppeteer pulling the strings of your life because you have given yourself over to domination of the enemy. Even if you do make it to heaven, when you are dominated, his goal is to make your life hell on earth. See, if you walk in your spiritual authority and you know how to be successful in spiritual warfare, your life does not have to be a living hell. There's so many Christians, their lives are living hell. They're constantly dealing with the circumstance. They're constantly working and walking and dealing and, and wheeling, and there's never any peace. There's never any joy. This is not God's design for our lives. And we can speak it all we want, but just as we're talking about, you then have to put legs to what you're speaking and what you're reading, and you have to walk it out. This is where the power is released when it's activated, is when you get the revelation and you walk it out. 2 Corinthians 2.11. This is the big idea today. And then we'll get into Acts chapter 12. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So what this is saying is, if you're ignorant of his devices, you will be taken advantage of. Who likes being taken advantage of? I've never met anyone who does. And there's nothing worse when you don't know you're being taken advantage of and then you come to the knowledge months or years later that you've been taken advantage of. Be it in a relationship, a business, whatever it is. No one likes being taken advantage of. But the enemy and his craftiness and deceitfulness, it's, it's likely there's some of us today we're being taken advantage of and we have no idea. Because it's comfortable, it's a cycle, and you're not aware, you're not awake to what those devices are. So lest Satan should take advantage of us, we can't be ignorant of his devices. Two things that the enemy does to take advantage of you. This is where I, I put them together and put a broad stroke. One, he wants to get you as far from Jesus as possible. If he can do that, he's winning in your life and in your family's life. He can get you as far from church, God's people, get you as far from the scripture, like dust collect on your word, your Bible app has never opened. If he can get you as far from Jesus as possible, he is doing what he's intended to do. And if you get past that and you do begin to serve God, what he'll do, number two, is if you get to Jesus, he'll make sure you're not able to serve him fully. He wants to limit you. He wants to keep you intoxicated with your flesh, with the world. And so you've got to understand, and we're going to get, we're going to see hope, and we're going to look at Peter's deliverance today, is that you do have hope, and this does not have to be your story. This does not have to be your domain, and you can't have authority and power. And what you break today, what you stand up against today, gives your family, gives the lion, gives generations that come after you strength, hope. It becomes what is there. Your floor can be their ceiling. And I'm standing here today because I had grandparents 
I had parents who decided to take their authority and gave me a running chance. And I want to go even further. This was always Pastor Joyce's prayer that my children and my children's children would go further than even I went. That should be the prayer of every generation, that what comes from my seed, what comes after me goes further than I ever did. That you don't have to have, your children don't have to have some wild, crazy testimony, and then they find Christ. And thank God for everyone who does. We all find Christ differently. But what I'm saying is, as what comes after you, it should get better. There should be consistency. There should be faithfulness to it. But understand, the minute you sign up for that, you put a target on your back because the enemy will do anything and everything that, that, where that never happens. I could give you story after story today of the private hidden battles just to get here every Sunday to preach, to lead a church, to not just lead a church, but to, to see a church in a school that actually moves forward, that believes God for miracles, that believes God for growth, but doing it his way and not manipulating our way there. It's not easy, and there is a cost associated. And know if you're a part of this church, you will pay a cost. Are you okay with that? Are you willing to fight? Are you willing to stand? Or are, are you going to bow when things get tough, when Nebuchadnezzar's statue is raised, the siren is played, when everyone else bows, can we be a church that stands because of our trust in God? Yes, pastor, I'm standing. Amen. <laughs> so Acts chapter 12, they're being harassed. The minute you take a stand, you will be harassed. The minute you begin to confront demons, the minute you take the places in your life that have been demonized, you will be harassed. This is the first tactic we see from Herod. And so Herod, like Satan, wants to harass the church. I've come to make a commitment, and I, I like to say it this way, is I would rather be a living fish that swims against the current than a dead one that goes with it. So when you are being harassed, it means you are alive. It means you are swimming against the current. It means you're willing to be an anomaly. It means you're willing to, to not go with the flow. It means you're willing to stand alone if it means I'm standing for truth and standing for Christ. So we would rather be alive and have some pain, have some misery, have some trial, than be dead and just be lulled to sleep. As you read on, you see that a murder takes place. It says in verse 2 that as he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So he kills James here. And what we need to, need to see and know, Herod, like the enemy, succeeds in killing James. We see that the enemy succeeded here. James was killed. And here's what's scary, is the minute the enemy does one atrocious things and no one opposes him, momentum begins to stir. And where it gets into a diabolical place in your fight against the enemy, if you are not opposing, if you are not restricting him, is momentum will begin to be stirred against you. This is why you gotta nip it at the bud. This is why you gotta wake up every day and put your armor on. This is why you gotta wake up every day and know you are not in a playground, you are in a battleground. Because the enemy longs to get momentum driving against you where the Spirit of God puts momentum driving against him. 
Look what happens. So here we see the momentum. So James gets killed with a sword, verse 3. And because he saw that, it pleased him. And it pleased the Jews. He proceeded further to seize Peter. So now Peter gets afflicted. And now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So just as Herod, like the enemy, succeeds in killing James, number three, we see Herod, like the enemy, doesn't know how to stop, and he starts on Peter. So Peter becomes the next victim. And hear this. If you're letting the enemy still kill and destroy, you were not creating opposition. One of the most powerful things you can do to stand against the enemy is you begin to create some opposition. You see the enemy flogging you in your finances, you better start tithing. You better get back to tithing. You see the enemy flogging you in your peace. What are things in your life? What are you filling your mind with? What are you watching? What is going through your eye gates, your ear gates that is robbing your peace? Anytime you see a place of opposition from the enemy, there is always an antidote by the power of the Holy Spirit that you raise a standard, you raise the opposition, and you put the enemy on his back and you send him running the other way. Draw the bloodline. Say enough is enough. You've tormented me long enough. It's time for you to get out. Here's the thing about the enemy too. He doesn't get tired from afflicting you. Until you stand, he will never move. He will not weary. He will not grow tired. And know this about Satan as well. And we're going to see this. Is Satan is not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He can't be everywhere all at once. But what he does do is deploy his legions of demons to afflict you. And demons are on assignment from Satan to afflict your life. And many a times, demons come catered to what their assignment looks like. Many a times, demons can stay hidden in plain sight because they're sent for you not to even recognize them because they look like your greatest passion. They look like... The greatest place of where you are tempted, where your lust is being um, stirred, they'll come masquerading as an angel of light, like the scripture says. Number four, we see Herod has soldiers who do his bidding. Satan has demons who does his bidding. So what do we see here? Verse five, Peter was therefore kept in prison. Or sorry, verse four. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. So Satan himself does not bind Peter, just, or bind you, just like Herod himself does not bind Peter. He deploys his legions, he deploys the soldiers to do his bidding and to bind. So this is where we've got to understand of how we fight demons and how we fight the one who gives the assignment to the demons, Satan. You seeing the difference? Are, we, are you seeing the details here? So we see how they do his bidding. He accomplishes his purpose through demons. They're spirits without bodies, and they long to inhabit a body. And if they can't inhabit a body, you'll see in Scripture they inhabit animals. So they have an insensationable desire to inhabit bodies. Demons are bent to do Satan's bidding. Demons, hear this, of bitterness 
if you have a demon of bitterness, then we're going to see in the text today that there is a guard soldier, and that guard opens and closes doors. And there are demonic guards that once you have a demon of bitterness, that demon of bitterness then wants to open a door for a demon of murder to come in because bitterness has done its work. Now we're going to take it a step deeper. So you've got to understand, demons are patient. They will toy and play with you as long as it gets for you to crack to then where another door can be open. You look at accounts in Scripture of where Jesus sets people free from demons. Demons would reply and say, we are many. And understand, demons use preferred pronouns. Can we go there today? We'll spare you that one. So you'll see when demons reply to when the disciples or Jesus replies, there'll never be a singular demon, but it's usually multiple demons that are possessed. So if you have a demon of bitterness, the next thing is to get you to a place of rage and murder. This is how this relationship works. They want more occupation, more oppression in your life. They want to harass you. Demons have no way of experiencing grace and mercy. Their destination is the lake of fire. Never feel sorry for demons. Never feel sorry for your sin. Better yet, you should hate your sin. You should hate the thing that is afflicting you. Because if you are comfortable with it, if you're friends with it, and you don't really hate it, then you're going to still allow it to have company. The old saying even says, where there are addictions, there's company. Your addictions are usually indicators of where demonic oppression is present. Number five is this. Herod has prison, a prison where he keeps prisoners. Your spiritual enemy, Satan, has curses. Curses are spiritual prisons that keep you bound. And here's the thing, when you get into generational things, is there could be agreements that your grandparents or people in your family line that came into line with curses. And the way you begin to see if there is a curse at play in your life is do you see repetitious behavior? Do you see cycles? Do you keep falling back into the same thing? Because here's, here's what happens is when you meet Christ, in your position, everything changes. You are a son and a daughter of Christ. You are set free and you are living free. That is your position. But now you step into this new identity, this new creation, and you have to take the rest of your life to be unbound. You just aren't unbound, zap, everything changes. You are now invited into the fullness of Christ to come to knowledge of how I do change, how my mindset changes, how I don't have to walk in anxiety and chronic illness like my parents and my parents' parents did. So you have to allow yourself to sit and be taught by the scripture. You have to be consistent in your faith or you will repeat cycles and you will hand those disordered cycles down to your children. Where's your consistency? You're set free, but just because you prayed the sinner's prayer doesn't mean now you are living free. Positionally, it's there, but now when you're taught, you mature in Christ, and then you become more like the image that he's created you to be. This is primarily where the church fails, in my opinion. This is where the discipleship element is not in place. 
We come to get a rah-rah message, to get a rah-rah worship service. We want to praise Jesus till we feel better. We medicate ourselves in God's house, but then the drug wears off, and we've not been discipled, we've not been taught, and demons still have a play place in our life. You tracking with me today? So Herod has a prison, and this prison is the curse. Verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but hear this, constant prayer began to be offered to God for him by the church. Aren't you thankful when affliction comes, there is always a standard, and the standard always starts with prayer. Anybody thankful you have a praying mother, a praying grandmother, a praying spouse, a praying pastor, an intercessory prayer team, somebody that is praying for you when you are being afflicted? This is where the tide begins to change. That prayer comes into the equation. So they see Peter's imprisonment, and here's where deliverance begins to start, and it starts with prayer. Let me say this about deliverance too. Deliverance will never come to the comfortable. It will always come to the desperate. Many times you are not delivered from your sin, from your bondage, from your pain, from your trauma, from your turmoil, because you are not desperate and you don't really want it. If I can be honest, if we want to be delivered, you got to be desperate for it. The biggest moments in my life when I experienced deliverance is when I actually got desperate for it. I fasted, I prayed, I talked, I went and, and didn't, I wrestled with God. I just didn't look for Pastor Joyce's fire, or somebody else's fire. I began to build my own. I began to build the snake, like we talked of last week. We gotta shake the very things that come to bite us. You can shake into the fire that it appeared from. This is where we can truly find and sustain our deliverance and walk in dominion. Number six, Herod has chains where he holds prisoners in prison. The devil has addictions. The devil has addictions. Verse six, and when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers. Isn't this interesting? The chain wasn't bound to the wall. The chain was bound to two other soldiers. You follow the chain long enough, you'll see where the source goes. If you wanna know what your chain is linked to, you follow each link of the chain and it will lead to the familiar spirit. It will lead to the thing the generational spirit. You will find the source, and when you find the source, you don't deal with the fruit, you deal with the root, and that's where freedom comes. You're fighting at the wind if you deal with the fruit of your bondage. You deal with the root, that's where deliverance and dominion comes from. So we see the chain, Peter is bound, and he wants not just one demon, but the strong man, the guard, to open the door to every demonic piece of garbage to attach itself to your life. He wants you to be addicted and grounded in his kingdom. And addictions keep you grounded and planted in Satan's kingdom. Whatever your addictions is, I pray you get desperate with, and you fall on your face, you get the help that you know that you need, and you don't play with it. We live in a culture that normalizes addiction. Why do we normalize it? 
I don't have the answer to that yet. But I pray that we see the root of it and we'd be willing enough as a spiritual family, as a church, to deal with them individually, corporately, and together. And it's in services like this where I am poking and prodding and coming against the enemy where prayerfully they begin to manifest themselves because they don't like to come into the light. Well, pastor is bringing them into the light today. And if you would allow them to stay in the light, then you can get them off of you and you can be delivered from them. And the cycle can end, the chain can be broken. Number seven, Herod has darkness that fills the jail room. The devil loves to put doubt and depression and fear as he controls his victims. Doubt, depression, and fear are the major embodiments of how he controls that which he wants to dominate, that which he wants to afflict and affect. Acts 12, 5, we see that there was light that came in. Or Acts uh, verse 12, verse 7, we see light was there when the angel appeared. So if there was light that appeared, there was not light there previously. The enemy always works in the shadows and in the darkness. Number nine, Herod has a being. Here's the good news. Herod has a being who can't be stopped by chains, soldiers, darkness, or a prison. And that being is the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. So we see in verse seven, it says, now behold, there was an angel of the Lord. So here's where we see his deliverance. There was an angel of the Lord that stood by him and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side, raised him up saying, arise quickly. His chains fell off of his hands. So there's a being that entered into the room because here's the thing. You cannot be delivered all on your own privately and by yourself. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got to want it. You've got to be desperate for it. But it's when the Holy Spirit comes in is when your deliverance takes place. So don't limit him. You see, the prison is limited. Satan and demons are limited. But you have an unlimited source who is not limited for your freedom and for your deliverance. Don't limit him because he's not a limited being. He has everything you have need of to walk in freedom. The spirit of God is always greater. He is not restricted. He is not intimidated by demons. Why should you be? Acts 10, 38, we see this about Jesus. It says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power. And what did Jesus do? This was his mission. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by who? The devil. For God was with him. Jesus, what he did in Acts chapter 10 is doing it today. He is going about doing his father's will, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. If you are oppressed, you have a healer who is full of power to heal your distress, to heal your pain, to heal your trauma. Jesus' mission statement was this, Luke 4. He says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim some liberty to captives, the captive parts of your life. Liberty can be proclaimed over that. It can be possessed over it recovery of sight to the blind and to set liberty to all those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord in Jesus' name. This is who Jesus is. This is one of his primary relationships that you have with him. When you need healing, when you're in distress, 
there is an anointed one who can heal up your broken heart, who can take liberty over the things that hold you captive. So when you get and you meditate on these scriptures, it begins to put you at a place of, why do I tolerate these things? Why do I allow myself to continue to stay afflicted? Why do I stay in these cycles? Because Jesus has no tolerance with this in our lives. We're the ones who tolerate it. He's waiting for us to get desperate enough to say, come and set me free. Break this bondage off of my life. The Holy Spirit is a bondage breaker. Stop limiting him. Let him in and let him set you free. So I wanna close with this, and Corey, if you would help me close. We're gonna see six things of God's way of how you have a prison break in your life. You ready to have a prison break? You're ready to break free. You're ready to fight back. Well, you're gonna see what Peter does here. Number one, we see that the light comes. If you're taking notes, put notes that it lights up, that the darkness gets lit up. Verse seven again, it says that the light shone in the prison, that you gotta get knowledge. Where there is ignorance, there is darkness. Where there is light, there is knowledge and wisdom. So first you have to get wisdom and knowledge then the light will come into your life. Maybe some of you today, this is a refresher. Prayerfully it is. Brothers, you've never heard, heard um, this taught in this way. I pray that the light is shining in the parts of your life of where you've tolerated the demonic, where you've been affected, afflicted, dominated, whatever it is, that the light is shining in the prison of your life, in the affliction, in the captivity of those parts of your life. The light is coming right now. So we saw that the light came. We read on, what did the, the angel do? What is the Holy Spirit, Spirit doing to you right now? It says, and he struck Peter. You keep verse seven up. It says he struck him. Some of you need to be struck. Wake up. Get back in the fight. So you gotta wake up. The angel struck him. It's time to get going. Your deliverance is here. Don't care if you're ready. The deliverance is here. You just got to want it. You got to go with me. You got to be desperate for it. If you're spiritually sleeping, it's time for you to wake up today. Don't be a passive, entitled victim. The angel hit Peter and his eyes were open. Some of you need a right hook in your gut today. It's time to wake up. It's time to fight. Wake up and get to consecration. And, be and have some concentration. That's how you fight the enemy. Number three, you rise up. Say rise up. So as he was struck on the side, he was raised up and it said arise quickly. You got to do something about it. You got to press into Jesus today, not tomorrow. You only have today, press in now. Stop being passive. It's time to get engaged. It's time to rise up. I love this next one. So after he rose up, it says his chains fell off of his hands. Then the angel said to him, go gird yourself and tie up your sandals. Somebody say, dress up. You gotta get dressed up. You gotta get armored up. This is how we fight the enemy. He said, get dressed quickly, put on your armor, put on Christ. Many of us, we are dressed down 
we are exposed and we have to stay dressed up if you're going to have victory, if you're going to triumph, if you're going to walk in authority. Don't dress down to your cravings. Don't dress down to a vibe. Don't dress down to a mood or an attitude. Dress up in Christ and in the fullness of who he is. Dress up in his promises. Get your conviction back. Follow his commandments. And hear this. This is going to be hard for some of us. The angel doesn't go and dress Peter. He tells Peter to dress himself. It's going to require something of you. When Christ called Lazarus to live, he said, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't go get in and help Lazarus. Let me take your grave clothes off. He said, no, come forth. When Israel was set free, they then had to go in and fight and take possession of the promised land. If you are waiting on God, he's waiting on you. Many of you, you've been waiting on God for years and he's sitting there waiting on you. I'm telling you today, this walk with God is not passive. It is not void of your partnership. You gotta get in the fight. You gotta do something and stop just waiting and sulking and soaking, but get up and walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You gotta dress up. If you're dressed down, you're exposed. And number five, somebody say, you gotta get out. So as he was dressed up, he put on the garment. The angel said, follow me. So he went out and followed him. In verse nine, and he did not know that what was done by the angel was real. So he's just, what is happening right now? I, it's, it, this is my deliverance. Sometimes when you're getting delivered, you're just so disheveled, but you feel God and you're just going. He thought he was seeing a vision. Verse 10, when they were past the the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened, which was open to them on its own accord. So God's doing a miracle in his deliverance here. And they went out and they went down the street and immediately the angel departed from him. So many times we want to get delivered, but stay where we're at. If you want to be delivered, you have to get uncomfortable. You have to get desperate. You've got to be willing to get out of that relationship that isn't honoring God. You've got to get out of that job that um, you're being afflicted in or you're being manipulated in. You've got to make some changes. You've got to confront it, whatever it is. You've got to actually get up and you've got to get out. You've got to make a change. Sometimes on a very shallow level, when you just want to paint a room for the sake of seeing a different color that you've stared at for years, it does something to you mentally when you make a change in your life. Be on purpose to expect winds of change. This is what sat up here for decades. You've got to anticipate it and expect it because winds of change make all the difference in your life. You've got to flow with God. Peter is disheveled and disoriented, but he's being delivered and he's going with it. Your deliverance will be messy. Your deliverance won't make sense. It will dishevel you because you're being flushed because you're being emptied. Some of you need to go flush the pills down the toilet. You need to drain the alcohol out. You need to get rid of the porn off your phone. You've got to get out of it and stop compromising. You got to get out and you got to get violent with it if necessary. Walk away from the place that had you bound. 
Walk away from the chains that had you bound. Connections, fellowships that are dragging you down your past life, get away and get out. Jesus set me free from my present. This should be your prayer. We want God to bring the milk and honey into Egypt, but you have to get out and go get the milk and honey. We want him to come into our tomb and take our grave clothes off. He wants us to come out. Come out in Jesus' name. Number six, and finally, you got to then, after you get out, you got to get into the house. When you get disheveled and you get cleansed and God touches you, he then wants to fill you. Amen. This is pretty cool what happens here. So after he departed, he followed the being. The being, the angel left. It says, then Peter had come to himself and he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent an angel. So it all started to make sense. And he is what? He has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Some of you need to be delivered from some expectation. Some of you need to hear today that you came through your family. You didn't come from your family. If you're dealing with family issues, family bloodline curses. So when he had considered this, he came to those to the house of Mary. So here's where he gets into the house. The mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. So here's the praying community that was praying for Peter. So Peter knows where to go. He doesn't stop by McDonald's and grab some fast food because he's been fasting. It's time to break the fast. He gets into the house of prayer of the people of where his nourishment was coming from. He knew where to go. Do you know where to go? Well, after today you do. So he goes to those that are gathered together praying. And it says that Peter began to knock on the door. And as the door was being knocked on a girl name, a girl came to and answered. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open. This is kind of funny. The, the door's being knocked on. She knows it's Peter. She doesn't let him in. She runs away and she goes and tells everyone. And let me tell you right here, when you're experiencing deliverance and you get vulnerable, the enemy can come back very quickly and offend you and when you're being delivered. Hear this today. This is where most of us get stopped early on in our deliverance. Peter could have got offended because he didn't get the door open for him right away. Because the pastor hasn't reached out to him. Because there's a church hurt or a church offense. Someone said this to me. So then the whole process falls flat on its face. I've seen so many people get lost right here. And I'm the first to say, I can have excuses. But what I'm saying is I don't want to limit myself because of an excuse or because of what somebody else has done. So what does Peter do? And this is for, for, for those of you who are dealing with some kind of hurt, dealing with pain, trauma of the past. It says that Peter kept knocking. Are you willing to keep knocking? Because here's the thing. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're here, I'm here. It's not perfect. Amen? It does not exist because you're here and I'm here. We're going to have stuff. We're going to have issues, especially as we grow. There's going to be new people, faces, families. You ready for some growing pains because they're coming? You ready for some stretch marks? 
So Peter keeps knocking. Some of you today, this is a word for you. You just, you need to keep knocking. Don't lose your tenacity. Don't lose your fight. Keep going, being thorough in your deliverance. So it says, Peter knocked at the door of the gate. As she recognized the voice, she ran with gladness. She didn't open, but ran and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is an angel. Still not getting it. Now Peter continued knocking. And when, when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They're, Don't you want the people in your past, the people praying for you, when they open the door and see you, the delivered you, they're astonished. They see a different you. They see a new you. Not the you that was bound when you were 18 or 19 years old, but they see the new you matured and growing in Christ. There's no better feeling. So they're astonished. But motioning, verse 17, to them with his hand to keep silent. He's like, I'm still being hunted by Herod. Let's not get too loud and proud. He declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. It says, and then he departed and went to another place. Hear this about Herod's death. So he got out and then he gets in the house. Some of you today, you've got to stay in the house. You've got to be planted in the house. When God is working on you, you've got to get in the house of prayer. Look what happens to Herod. Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and had not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. He went down from Judea and Caesarea and stayed there. Now Herod, in verse 20, had been very angry with the people. But they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus the king's personal aid their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod arrived in royal apparel, sat on his throne, and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of, of a God and not of a man. So Herod is taking glory that does not belong to him. This is dangerous. Then immediately what happens? An angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. There's coming a day in the book of Revelation that our spiritual enemy, Satan, will be taken captive by the angel and will be eaten by worms. Aren't you thankful that his defeat is imminent? He is defeated. The enemy was defeated on the cross, but now you have to walk in the victory that's given to you. So Herod is destroyed. He's eaten by worms. And I love what it says in, in verse 24, because you cannot stop what God does. If you are being afflicted, if you're in the fight, here's the good news. Multiplication is coming your way. But the word of God grew and it multiplied. We think if we stay safe and we stay just in our own little holy huddle, that that's the only place God can do and move. But when you step out and you go for your deliverance, you fight the enemy, it's going to be perilous. There's going to be pain. You're going to encounter problems. But you will grow the word of God will grow, most importantly, in your life. And this is the place I want us all to get to as we stand today. Stand to your feet, please. I want you to allow Christ 
to take that which is holding you captive, captive. You open or are you willing for, for that today? He wants to light up, wake up, rise up, dress up, get you out and get you into the house. Can I make it any more plain today? Herod, like the enemy, harasses the church. Herod, like the enemy, succeeds in killing James. Herod, like the enemy, doesn't know how to stop. He starts on Peter. Herod has soldiers who do his bidding. The devil has demons. Herod has prisons where he keeps prisoners. The devil has curses. Herod has chains where he holds prisoners in prison. The devil has addiction. Herod has darkness that fills the jail. The devil has doubt, depression, and fear by which he controls his victims. Herod has a force that's against him, the praying church. Herod has a being who cannot be stopped by chains, soldiers, darkness, and prison. We have the Holy Spirit that is not limited to chains, darkness, soldiers, and prison. If the devil reminds you of his past, you better remind him of his future because he is defeated, a defeated foe. Don't allow him to defeat you, to afflict you. Today can be your day of deliverance. If you bow your head, you get serious before the Lord. The Holy Spirit is here today. And he wants to touch you. He wants to set you free. He is your bondage breaker. Come out of agreement with curses over your life. Come out of agreement with what those in your family have spoken death over you, have put labels on you, have said you'll never amount to anything. You'll always be addicted. You'll always be a victim. You'll always be this, that, or the other, whatever it is. Break agreements with it right now in Jesus' name. Where you see places of your life that you're imprisoned, say, come out in Jesus' name. Take your authority in Christ and tell that which is afflicting you to come out in Jesus' name. Chronic illness, come out. Depression, come out. Fear, come out. Anxiety, get out in Jesus' name. Sickness, infirmity, get out and go back to the pits of hell from where you came from in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, this is how you have to pray. This is how you have to take authority. These are not light, silly matters. These are matters of life and death. These are matters of eternity. Will you fight for yourself? Will you fight for your freedom? Will you fight for your family? Will you fight for your church? In Jesus' name, come out. As we take a moment to worship, I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna move. He's gonna move in your heart. He's gonna move in your mind. And I want you as he moves and as he brings things to the surface, I want you to whisper on your breath, say, come out in Jesus' name. Get out in Jesus' name. And as you begin to renounce and as you begin to repent, you will begin to experience freedom. I guarantee it. Allow this to be a holy, sacred moment of as we surrender and yield to the Lord, that which is oppressing you, afflicting you, offending you is coming out and you are being delivered. It is getting lit up in your life so that you can take authority over it. In Jesus' name. As Corey was playing, I just heard this, so I started writing it down. I sent Caitlin the lyrics, so. 
is rising. All glory to God, all praise to the Father, my bondage breaking King. And chains are falling, and prayer is rising. All glory to God, all praise to the Father, my bondage breaking King. And chains are falling. And prayer is rising. All glory to God, all praise to our Father, our bondage breaking King. And chains are falling. And prayer is rising. Praise to the Father, my bondage breaking King. Chains and chains are falling, and prayer is rising. All glory to God, all praise to the Father, my bondage breaking.
delivers us. You are our bondage breaker. From the moment that you were on that cross, why would we not want to praise you? Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.